everybody, this is Tracy Malone, and today I would like to talk to you about a topic that is sensitive to my heart and to my family. We're going to talk about no contact, no contact with a family member. It's a little bit different than when we go no contact with a um, relationship person, right? That's it's it's sometimes it's your choice, sometimes it's their choice. But with a family member, it could also be your choice or their choice. But um, I'm going to share my journey with you because I have been no contact with my older sister for five months now. And except for once where she called from a hospital and I didn't recognize the number and I accidentally answered it. My older sister is a scorecard of crazy. It's been like this for a very long time and she is extremely abusive. She's manipulative, she lies, uh, gaslights me endlessly and just basically puts me into a tailspin emotionally that I haven't been in since I've had narcissists in my life, other than her, but um, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I had to draw the line. So I want to talk to you guys today about how it feels to go no contact with someone. But we're going to talk about my sister first. And th this importance to the story, because it, it, it brings into the with how I felt about these sort of things and why it was a hard thing to go no contact with my sister. Finally, she dysregulated me and brought me back into a place where I can no longer live. And this is one of the things and the factors for me in going no contact with her. But for you, it's, it's what are they doing? And it's not just the actual things but it's how she makes you feel, how your person makes you feel that if you just don't want to be living in crazy land, then it makes sense to, um, to go no contact, but it takes a lot of heart and it takes a lot of work to do this. So her life was full of drama. It's always been full of drama. Um, she sucks me in and then she pushes me away. And then I sit there worrying and panicking about her and I can't find her. And then she comes back in and it's just this cycle of me putting, being put into a place of her being her nursemaid. But then as soon as I give her what she wants, disappears and, uh, I end up sitting here in panic and worrying, and, and that just isn't good for me. So two years ago, my younger sister, there were three of us, my younger sister passed away from COVID and I didn't know about it for about a week. And I found out and it was devastating to me. So my older sister uses that, you know, well, you found out your other sister was dead. It's not her sister, which is a weird part, right? But you found out and that upset you. So therefore she can tap into my feelings about, you know, the pain that I felt when I learned that my little sister was gone. The first part of this journey is a financial hook. And it, it isn't always like this for people, but for the last 15 years or so, she has financially been dependent on me. She gets social security, but I send her money for food, for hotels, for doctors, for medicine, for shelter, for, you know, uh, Uber rides. I'm constantly being asked. I've sent phones, computers, I've sent tablets. I believe I sent three tablets last Christmas and she just, it, it, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so 
um, whatever happens to these things, she breaks them, she loses them, they get stolen, and then it's Tracy to the rescue again, and then no contact, even if I bought her the phone. It's crazy, but that's what she does, right? Uh, she shares stories of being robbed by people, and that's how it's always someone else's fault. Things just poof disappear, and it's always a story. It's 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 a drama story, right? So. The other part of this, besides the financial part, is the mental illness. My sister has been diagnosed with bipolar, borderline, narcissistic abuse, uh, narcissistic personality disorder, multi-personality disorder, and a combination of other things besides anxiety and depression. And just the, the list is never ending. The reason she's been diagnosed with this so many times is because she goes into mental hospitals all the time. I have empathy for people with mental illness. I've tried and tried on my own for 15 years to try to get her to a place, but you can't help someone that doesn't want to help themselves. And, you know, I look at homeless people on the streets here in, in, in Denver and I just go, where's their family? And, and that shame and that guilt inside of me was perpetuating my need to want to help her and she kept using that as a manipulation and the guilt right so um she's had a lot of problems and um my therapist says it's survivor guilt survivor guilt because i'm the one who got away i'm the one who isn't mentally ill i'm the one that isn't dead i'm the one i'm the one right i have a business i have a son i have a life i had husbands you know all of that was things that they used against me as if i was doing something wrong but even when i can remember being married to my husbands both of them my sisters were financially dependent on me and um my first sister, my younger sister took all of my wedding money from my first wedding to my son's father. And the second one has just been a never ending drain financially on me, um, even post divorce. So, you know, the survivor guilt is something that I had to look at. She has been evicted so many times. She gets evicted. She's been arrested many times and she's been Baker acted. Do you know what Baker acted is? It's when the police get called by someone else and they put you away and they commit you without your choice. It's just like, hey, this is a crazy person. We don't understand it. Let's get her evaluated. And they put her into a mental hospital. And that's how the USA takes care of people with mental illnesses. They give them three days in a, in a, a mental hospital and they go, yeah, she's got this, they've got this, she's got this. That's why she's got such a long line is a list of things that she's been because she's been in all of these places so many times. Um, she has been accused of pulling a knife on her landlord's twice two different people. And then she's like, no, there's no similarities. I don't know what you're talking about but I could see it. I know her. I know how when she's on drugs, she's delusional and she doesn't know what she's doing and she perceives these slights and I've seen it. And so I believe those stories. She has um, went and, and applied to be in a room for rent and she stayed there and then they wanted her out several times and two times she squatted she would not leave she used the i'm a handicapped senior citizen uh to get her to them to have to force her out of their house even though she'd only been in it for three days 
and they would have to evict her. And in, in both of those situations, the families of the elderly person that took in a boarder to help mom pay for rent, they had to take their elderly mother out of the mother's house because my sister wouldn't leave and they were in danger in her care. So these are come, some of the, the weird things that have happened. She stayed in their homes for months for rent-free. One of them was six months before they got her out and she just lived the life of luxury. I think she even drove this woman's car. That's how who she is, right? But who she was is she was an entrepreneur. She has two master's degrees. Uh, she had her own business and drove a Porsche that had a license plate that said, I play on it. She's not dumb. She's pretty darn smart. And something snapped, snapped when she turned about 50, wouldn't leave her house. And, and it's been downhill ever since then. She hasn't been homeless until recently. This is in the last two years since my little sister died. It was really when my older sister started to hit the streets and nothing to do with because my sister died. This is just the timing of things where, you know, she just wasn't doing her job, wasn't doing her life. She also needs hip replacement, so she's sick. So I'm like homeless, sick, crazy. And all of these guilts have been riding on me and she uses them to manipulate me. And I do have empathy and I've been helping. And, and I say this because, you know, she isn't taking care of herself. She lived in a house and it was a very fine house. She had no problems because of course she hated them, but um, she could have had the hip replacement surgery, but instead she said, you know what? If I don't have the hip replacement surgery, guess what? They'll keep giving me oxycodone. And of course she's a drug addict. My mother was on 40 oxycodones when she died every day. My little sister was a heroin addict and a crackhead before she died, right? So this goes down all the way back to my grandfather, the alcoholic, and probably beyond there as well. I took pity on her and I want to help her with all of this stuff, but she's in a wheelchair. And right now she has three teeth. And I recently was shown a picture of her and I cried. It was heartbreaking to see, this is not my sister. Like I would pass her on the street and not even know that she was my sister. The last time I saw her was two years ago and uh, after my little sister died and she was living in, some, she had a house, she had a room and, and she was secure. But um, it was shortly after that, that, that it all fell apart. So manipulation and lies are the other reason that I went no contact with her. The manipulation and the lies were the last step. She has always had these people I called angels. Uh, I'm still in contact with at least three of them through her years that she's been in Florida and these people were her landlords or in this case, and I'll tell you the story of this latest angel. He was at a hotel in Florida for a, a six week vacation and he met her in the lobby of the hotel she was checking in in and she was in the lobby crying that she was going to be homeless on the street tomorrow and she had nowhere to go and he took her into his room hello um 68 year old woman you know in, in a wheelchair in your room he took her into his room he paid for all her food 
He paid for all her medicine. He paid for her cigarettes. He took her places. He um, got her to doctor's appointments. He had everything secured and he didn't want her to spend any money because he wanted her to save. So that when she went and he left and went back to um, home after a six week, you know, snowbird or vacation, he said that she would have money in the bank to give her money for a deposit for that rent and, and having her own secure place to live. So he did all this. He took such great, great care of her. And in the end, she had $1,900, which is probably more than she's had in 10 years in the bank. And so we were very happy about that. Him and I communicate and we're still talking, even though he hasn't talked to her in about two months as well. Uh, we still talk once a week and he is distraught. He is looking for her. He is trying to find her. She went no contact with him because of these lies that we're going to talk about right now. So I know that he is paying for all her bills. He knows there's $1,900 in the bank. She then calls me up and tells me that he's making her pay half the rent and she has no money and could I put her up in a hotel for another month? Well, uh, I already knew that she'd been, he'd been making her save money and then she tells me or she asks me to go buy her phone. The whole phone ordeal, it was a crazy, stupid thing, um, but it was a $400 phone insurance, this, that, that sent it to her shipping and uh, she couldn't figure it out. She tells me there's no coordinate, gaslighting, she can't do this. It's all like crazy stuff, but within a, a month or so, phone's gone. I don't know where it is. She said it was stolen by someone who knocked on her door at two in the morning. Don't believe that one for a second. But um, so she tells him that I charged her $400 for the phone. And so she has no money. Could he pay for another month at a hotel? And him being Mr. Nice Guy, but going into debt on his own credit cards because he's also a senior citizen, he paid for her for another month in another hotel, a month in a hotel. <laughs> and so him and I are talking. So we know all this is going on. She's playing both sides of the thing. So he talks to her and he's like, listen, I know the truth. I need you to talk to me. I need you to be honest to me. You know, I'm still going to help you, but please don't lie to me. That's when she went no contact. Doesn't that sound pretty narky? You call her on the gaslighting and the lies and off with your head. I don't want to talk to you. Well, this man is truly brokenhearted. He is so sad about this. And to me, this was the last straw. Seeing the lies between the two of us, seeing the way she was manipulating both of us. And this is what happens when people are homeless. They become manipulators. I get it. I've read it. I watch videos. I know exactly what's going on here. But it's the hurt inside of my pain in my heart that she is manipulating me. She is pulling me in, pushing me out. So here's how the no contact went. I decided to talk to her and say, I need a break. I don't want to talk to you, please. You know, I need space. Don't reach out. This is it. It's not the first time we've done it. So she kind of knows it. It's been probably 10 years since I did it before, but she knows. So the deal was stay away from me. I'll talk to you when I can talk to you. You already just got my phone. I didn't know I was lost then. But I spoke to my therapist about 
the survivor guilt, the shame I was feeling, the, the repercussions of what could happen. And, and that I worked out in my no going no contact journal. I actually wrote a journal on how to go no contact about two years ago. So I processed, I said, okay, it's a lot different for me than other families because I have a son who doesn't see her, hasn't seen her in years. And yet uh, other families could have, you know, if you go no contact with your sister, then maybe the rest of your family is going, well, we can't have you to Thanksgiving anymore. There's no consequence when she's the only last person in my family other than my son and she hasn't seen him in 20 years. So um, here's what happened. So I start to feel guilt, right? The guilt is overwhelming. Um, it's familiar and there's shame too, right? How could someone let a homeless drug addict, you know, mentally ill person in a wheelchair go homeless? Well, after spending about $30,000 a year on her for years and years, it hasn't helped. And she does make money and she's just making really bad choices. But, you know, we talked about the guilt. How could I release the guilt? Because that's the biggest obstacle when you are going no contact. What am I going to feel guilty about? Am I going to have regrets? Am I going to feel like, you know, whatever it is? So I process the guilt. My therapist helped me walk through that. What are the options? I got it nailed. I was okay. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It's not going to come, but I'm going to know and I'm going to be resolute in my decision for this, regardless of feeling the guilt. That's the key. I'm going to feel it, but I'm not going to let it take me down. Fear was the next thing. This has always kept me hooked to her. What could happen to her? Could she end up dead? Could she end up, you know, on the streets? Could she get beaten up? Could something worse happen that, you know, is possible? Yeah, fear of that. Fear of cutting off the only family member that I have. Who does that? These are the things playing in my head and I'm sure they will go through your head as well. You know, relief was probably the next thing that, I would be able to hold on to my peaceful life if I don't have her drama pulling me down and sucking me into this vortex. Yes, relief was good. I, I can, you know, I've been trying to build my life into a more peaceful life post narc, and she made me go feeling like I needed to talk to my friends and go, oh my God, you don't believe what's happening. That is not normal. You know, for somebody to be coming into your life and just destroying it, it's not normal. I had to start to learn to take care of myself. And the self-love that I needed was to get her out of my life, at least temporarily. Of course, the sadness came. Part of the grieving cycle is sadness, right? The sadness is, you know, I've lost another sister. I don't have another sister. I don't have another family member other than my child. That's a big one. Giving up the idea of what a normal family is and how it should have been, it's sad. You're going to have to process that. You're going to have to come to terms and understand that you will be sad. But that doesn't mean the sadness has to rule your life. It means you pass through sadness. You understand it. You accept it. And you you know, move on regardless of being sad about things. I had that survivor guilt. I think I was very conflicted. I was very ambivalent about my decision, whether it was the right choice or not. And could I have thought of other options? 
So I processed that. I looked at other options. I've done everything that I possibly can and it's not helping, it's hurting me. And it's not really helping her. It might temporarily put a bandaid on things, but tomorrow is gonna to be another bandaid situation and she's not learning, she's never gonna learn, but is it my responsibility? Those questions I had to answer. I processed them, I talked to my therapist and I came to that resolution of, you know what? This is the only decision that I could have made if I want to protect my sanity. The next part was people pleaser fleas and the fear of judgment from others. You know, as a people pleaser, we're worried about what's everyone gonna think and, and things like that, right? Um, how would this impact my son? You know, he's going to lose the only aunt he has. Well, not that he sees her, but it's still, it's what if I die? Again, would she really be there for him? was the questions and the way I processed that. No, she's never been there for him. She recently actually, you know, texted him with a phone that she didn't know where it was and asked him for money. That's not an aunt, that is a leech. That is somebody that doesn't call you for your birthday or congratulate you on graduating college, but calls you up and says, hey, could you send me a hundred bucks? I get it but I had to get let go of those people pleaser fleas and the worries about how other people would think of me if I made this decision. This is my decision, my journey, and I am at peace with this. The next thing I felt was empowered. Despite all the challenges, knowing going no contact, um, having my life back is worth everything. Putting my own needs in front of needs of someone else is the people pleaser thing too but it helps i process this decision guys every single thing that i could have thought of and processed i have i've thought of the answers and i am at peace it's a strange sense of peace to be here and while i am making this video about it i do think about her every day every day I actually had to have a sign on my refrigerator for a while. That was in the very beginning that said, these are the reasons I'm going no contact. This, this is why I can't have this in my heart. I can't be pulled down. It's like someone, you know, drowning and they're pulling you down. She could never be happy for me. She could never celebrate. She could not even hear that I was having a good day or a good life or that I went on a vacation, she would get angry with me. She could not hear anything good. And I know that too from someone who's in that bad place. So I just didn't tell her anything. So she's never really been there as a sister. Going no contact for everyone is gonna be unique. I'm sharing my story for you to know that you're going to go through this roller coaster of emotions. You're going to go through the fear, the sadness, the hurt, the bargaining, everything that you do in normal grieving process. But you can do no contact if you think everything through. No contact fails all the time because it's Thanksgiving and your family just said, well, if you don't want to be with your sister, then you're not coming to our family dinner. And they go back they didn't think about that they didn't think about how going no contact say with your mother 
affects your children. They no longer have a grandmother. How will you explain it to them? How will your family be able to put its pieces back if that person's not in your life? Gotta think of that stuff. So seek support from therapists like I did, like friends and even support groups. This is something you have to learn and you are gonna go through that grieving process if you do it and you, you maintain it. So this is Tracy Malone. I hope that this helped you a little bit if you are on the line of, of trying to decide to go no contact with a family member. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, but I just feel like it, it's the best thing I've ever done for myself. And it's time that I started to take care of myself. It's time that I put my priorities above other people's. And, you know, it's my personal life, but I deserve better than this. And I, I don't deserve to be used anymore. So I'm no contact. And I hope to keep on going with this and let go of the guilt. She probably will die and I will not know about it. Something I have to come to terms with. But honestly, when I did all that work to think about that one thing that kept me attached to her, I always had that fear. Didn't matter if I was giving her money every year. Didn't matter if I was buying her new phones and sending her a freaking portable refrigerator. It didn't matter. Those fears were there, regardless of what I gave her or didn't give her. The difference was I would be activated, stressed, and it would take me down. I need my strength and I need my, my courage to help, to help my clients every day. If my energy gets depleted, I don't have as much to give to them. So this is Tracy Malone. Good luck on your no contact journal journey. And if you are considering going no contact with a family, go to Amazon, buy my no contact journal. It's, there's gonna be a note down below. I'll put a note down there. Um, it's just a place for you to process these things and a list of things for you to consider. That's it. Have a nice day and I'll see you guys soon.